This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Class Podcast. Together, we're learning how to make marriage and love better. Many marriages today are broken in ways that are beyond our ability to fix. This is a brokenness that can only be repaired by the God of heaven. Therefore, you must look to Him in prayer and the pages of the Bible to find the fix for the problems that you're having. Join us via live recording as we learn about things you should be praying for in your marriage from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. This is the final installment of a three-part series on this subject. For detailed class notes and additional content, visit fixeruppermarriage.org. So here it is, three additional things you should be praying for in your marriage. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So the last three weeks we have looked at these fruits of the Spirit and added them as things that we looked at them as things that we should be praying about in our marriages. Having these fruits of the spirit in our marriages are something that we definitely could pray about. Isn't that right? So and it's turned into three different lessons. So this is three additional things you should be praying for in your marriage. Many marriages today are broken and that brokenness can only be repaired by the God of heaven. So when we look at the scriptures, we can see how to fix the things that are wrong in our marriage and we can pray about those things in our marriage. If you'd like to, if you maybe weren't here or like to review, you can go to our website, our class website, fixerupermarriage.org. You can go slash prayer. That's the first lesson. Slash prayer two was last week. This week's going to be slash prayer three, the number three. So you can find that there and you can see all the show notes and all the references. I do have a lot of references, refer, Bible references today. Those will all be there. As well as some other references, you can find that as soon as I have it posted. So, and number one, pray that you will stay faithful to one another. Pray that you will stay faithful to one another. And we see this as a fruit of the Spirit, faith. Stay faithful to one another. God is faithful, isn't He? God is always faithful to us. Listen to this in Lamentation chapter 3 and verse number 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fell not. They are new every morning. And what's the Bible say? Great is thy faithfulness, O God, is very, very faithful. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, listen to this. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For He has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So God is extremely faithful to us. It is in his character to be faithful to us. And God is faithful all the time, isn't he? He's made promises to us and he is always faithful and he's faithful to do those promises. He's faithful to stay with us regardless of what happens. You know what? God is faithful to me even when I am not unfaithful. Listen to this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13. If we believe not, Yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Even if I don't believe in him like I should, he still abides faithful with me. That's 2 Timothy 2.13. You should be faithful to your spouse. 
you should be faithful to your spouse. Now consider the dangers of what's called an emotional affair. They say that long before you ever have a physical affair, you have an emotional affair with someone else. It often precedes precedes in a, a real affair. You know, here's some signs that you're falling into an emotional affair. And I have six things here, signs that you're falling into an emotional affair. When a simple friendship turns into more, when you're investing more emotional energy into someone besides your spouse, there's six things, six signs that that is happening. You, know, you only have so much emotional energy to give, right? And when you start sharing that with someone else, number one, you contact this friend when you are not together. So here's someone at work that you are friends with and now you start to want to contact this person and you're not at work or maybe you're not at church or you're not in a position where you have to be together, but now you're wanting to contact this person when you are not together. Number two, you talk to this friend about personal problems, even problems in your marriage. Isn't that crazy that you would go to someone of the opposite sex and start talking to them about problems in your marriage? But that happens all the time. And you start to be unfaithful to your spouse emotionally. And when you do that, things start to really get out of hand. You create ways to be together. Now, all of a sudden, these things that you have to do at work, all of a sudden it turns into something else. Now, you have an excuse to be together that maybe you hadn't sought, looked for before. Now you're looking for reasons to be with someone that's not your spouse. Maybe it's even a church function. Now you're looking for some reason to be with this other person because you're investing in this other person emotionally. Number four, you think about your friend when you're not together, when you're, you're not together and you're still thinking about one another. Number five, you compare, you start to compare this other person with your spouse. And number six, you neglect your spouse for this other person. I mean, you could be spending time with your spouse, but you decide to neglect your spouse for this other person. You begin to cheat on your spouse, so to speak, emotionally. And this always, or I'm told, always precedes a physical affair when you have an emotional affair. Don't throw your marriage away from some fantasy. You know, when you, when you're talking to somebody and you feel that attraction to someone else and you start to talk and that simple friendship turns into more than that, right? And you start to feel affection for one another and you have this fantasy of what things are going to be like. But that's all it is. It's just a fantasy. It's not real life. It's not the way things are going to be. The thrill and passion of the moment is only momentary. You know, the thrill of doing something wrong and not getting caught is just temporary, isn't it? That always catches up with us. You know, in this day, people are throwing away their marriage for just about anything. And now we're throwing away our marriage for online things. I mean, our online social media friends. I mean, we throw away our marriage because of someone that you met online or someone that you met via social media. And then we all know about the pornography that is so prevalent on the Internet today. And I read when I was as I was studying this website, they have it's an organization called Enough is Enough. And they say that 30 percent of the Internet industry is pornography. I mean, 30 percent of what happens on the Internet is pornography. And who knows, it may be even more than that. They were just stating statistics and facts. And if you would like to learn more, there are more statistics that I, I will reference this in the, sh in the notes online if you want to go, but it's enough.org. 
enough is enough. And it is enough is enough of all this pornography. But people ruin their marriages for some fake fantasy that they have online. If you want to read more about this in the Bible in Matthew chapter five and verse number 28. But four ways to be faithful to your wedding vows. There are four ways I have here to be faithful to your wedding vows. Number one, build security with your spouse. Build security with your spouse. You know what? Be aware that past mistakes you make make your spouse insecure. If you have made mistakes in your marriage, if you have done things wrong in the past, if I have slipped up and made a mistake, then it makes your spouse insecure in the marriage. And they start to think, well, I wonder what he's doing when I'm not around. or I wonder what she's doing while I'm not at home. or I wonder who she's talking to on the phone. It builds this insecurity because of mistakes that we made. We can rebuild. You can build trust and security by living transparently. And you can live the proof that you are faithful to your spouse every day. You are living proof by being transparent and in, in showing that you are that you are faithful to your spouse by showing those things every day. It proves to them and it builds that trust back up that you may have lost by the mistake that you made. You know what? How about this? How about letting your wife have the password to your phone? Or, you know, sometimes you can even share accounts on the phone. You can share Apple ID or you can share share your passwords. And that way, you know, everything that's going on in each other's lives. There's no secrets. There's no secret agenda that you have, no secret life that you have. Learn to check in with each other. You know, some people have a real problem with this. But you know what? When I'm going to be late, I try to let my wife know normally I'm home about between 6.30 and 7, you know what, tonight I have to work late. We've got problems going on. I may not be home till 7.30 or maybe even later because I have to run an errand after work. So I let my wife know, hey, my schedule has changed. Something has happened. So there's no doubt whatsoever in her mind. She knows what's going on. And in that way, I'm accountable to my spouse. And a lot of people don't want to, they don't like to do that. Maybe it makes you feel like somebody's the boss of me or somebody's telling me what to do. But no, you're being accountable to one another by communicating that with each other. So try to learn to check in with each other. And this makes accountability. This makes things uh, where there's transparency. There's no room for secrecy when you're communicating where you're at and what you're doing and what's going on. And that's just a way of building security in your marriage. Number two, be clear about your commitment to other people. Be clear about in your commitment when you're around other people. Wear your wedding ring as much as possible. Now, I know sometimes I used to have a job that I had to take my wedding ring off and it was just a safety thing. I mean, it really, I could lo- lost my finger in the machines that I was working on. But you know what? As much as you possibly can, you should wear your wedding, wedding ring. You know what? This is, it is a symbol of the commitment that you made to each other, even though it doesn't seem that significant. But to have that ring on says a lot to people that are around you. You know what? If you come across someone and you start to feel that chemistry or that connection, maybe you share a laugh with someone or maybe you feel like someone may be a little flirty with you. You know what? All you have to do usually is just show them your ring. Put your hand out where they can see, hey, I am not available. You know, I've had to do that before. Maybe I'm overanalyzed things sometimes, but I've been around ladies and I kind of felt like, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to show you my ring. I put my hand out. Look. I'm a married, I don't say that, but I am a married man. Hey, I'm not interested in whatever you're, we've got going on here. But be clear about your commitment to other people. 
You know, be utterly clear. You know what? I believe in being Christ-like. And we may have talked about that a little bit last week, about having that spirit, having a Christ-like spirit and being kind and gentle with people. But at the same time, if you're, it's just about your marriage. I'm all for being rude to someone. If someone's trying, if a lady is trying to flirt with me, I will be flat out rude. I will just be utterly honest. Hey, I'm not interested in whatever you're offering. And it's okay to be rude to save your marriage, right? It's okay to get this person out of your life. Say, hey, you know what? I am not interested in whatever this, whatever this is going on here. You know, if you're in a situation and you feel uncomfortable, just get out of that situation. Number three, escape potential compromising situations. You want know if you're in a room by yourself and someone else comes in and it makes you feel uncomfortable, just leave. I mean, if it looks rude, if it seems rude, so be it. But your marriage is more important than what someone thinks about you or letting someone down easy. You know, sometimes temptations are closer than we realize. Sometimes the temptations may come from close friends. Maybe you didn't realize we were spending time together and you were just friends and it didn't mean anything. It was just a relationship that was just there. It didn't mean anything to you. But now that you've gotten closer, now all of a sudden it becomes this temptation. And when you feel that happening, it's okay just to leave. It's okay to leave the room. It's okay just to be, even if it's family members. You know what? It's okay to leave. You would better be better off to make that family member mad at you. You'd be better off to not have that family member speak to you than mess up your marriage, than to be tempted to make a mistake or to give the impression that you have made a mistake, to have that appearance that you've had. Don't be afraid to walk away and leave someone to protect your wedding vows. Your, your marriage is more important than any social group that you may have. Number four, be together. Be together. Spend time with your spouse. If you want to learn how to protect your marriage, if you want to learn how to be faithful to each other, spend time together. Be with each other. Every moment, every moment that you are with your spouse is a chance for you to honor that commitment that you made to your spouse. You know, and being together protects you from unfaithfulness. Plus, if you're with your spouse and you're somewhere, how is someone going to tempt me? If I'm at, if I'm at the store and I'm holding hands with my wife and we're together, there is no chance of anyone tempting me to make a mistake or to fail or to try to flirt with me because my wife is with me. So be together. That's another way to protect yourself and to make your marriage a more faithful situation to be faithful to one another. But number two, our second point this morning is pray. Our second thing to pray for is pray that God will teach you meekness. Pray that God will teach you meekness. God is meek. Listen to this in Matthew chapter 11 in verse number 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five? He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So Jesus promoted meekness on this earth and he was a very meek person. Jesus was so meek that in John chapter 13, in the story of the Last Supper, he gets on his hands and knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. He was that meek of a man. Meekness does not mean weakness. Being meek does not mean that you're weak, but it means strength in the face of your own pride and self-desires. Now, a man who is 
who is meek is not weak, but he's filled with power and he's filled with strength because he's able to uh, he's able to refrain himself. He's able to refrain his own personal desires. The opposite of meekness is pride. The opposite of meekness is pride. Meekness and humility, that, those are two of the forgotten virtues of our day. Just to be meek is to be like Jesus. According to Noah Webster's 1828, which, by the way, is my favorite dictionary, meekness is a noun that means softness of temper, mildness, gentleness, forbearance under injuries of provocations. Meekness, meekness is mildness, softness of temper. You know, society promotes the opposite of meekness today. You know, we're, we're programmed to be assertive and arrogant in the day we live in. You can see it in the phrases that we use, and we're almost proud of it. I will just let, I'm just let this person have it. I'm going to just let you have it. I'm going to let my husband have it or my wife have it. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, which I can't spare a whole lot of my mind, but I shouldn't be doing that. But that's something we say, right, for whatever reason. I'm going to, but we mean we're kind of proud of the way we're going to talk to somebody. I'm going to give that person a piece of my mind. That's what I'm going to do. But that we, we kind of value assertiveness and arrogance. I will show him a thing or two. That's another thing that we say. You can see it in the attitude that we have. You know, we're self-assertive in our minds. You know what? Today is all about rights, isn't it? This is my rights that I have. I have this right. These are my rights or this is my image or this is what I deserve in life. And that's what we're all about today is being assertive and aggressive about what we should have or what we deserve. We are filled with our own self-interest today, but meekness is not that way. Meekness is more filled with the interest of other people. Girls from childhood today are taught to be the opposite of meekness. I mean, they just program this way with all the the things that are on TV and the things that they teach in school. You know, they're just taught to be girls are taught to be aggressive, be aggressive, to fight and to take charge. You know, it's kind of strange today that, that society wants to make boys more effeminate and want to make girls more aggressive. How twisted and perverted can we be? But that's not the way the Bible teaches for for us to be. The Bible teaches that we should be meek. The Bible teaches that we should have something entirely different. Listen to this in First Peter chapter three in verse number four. But let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection under their own husbands. So we see something entirely different from the Bible, that you should be meek, have a meek and a quiet spirit, and God values this in a lady, and that's the thing that a man should look for. When he's looking for a wife, should look for a meek and a quiet spirit. But marriage is filled with conflict because we care about more how we feel. We care about more of how we deserve to be treated than how we treat each other. We care more about me than the we or the other person. We care about more about ourselves than we do our spouse. You know, it's no wonder marriages are filled with fighting today. There's just no meekness in marriage anymore. Meekness makes it easy for your spouse to get right with you. Your pride wants to restore your reputation, but meekness wants you to be reconciled, right? Pride wants you to rehearse all the wrongs that were done to you, but meekness wants you to forgive and forget. Meekness makes it easy for your spouse to get right with you. You know what? When you have a meek spirit, it is easy for your spouse to make things right. But if you want to bring things up, if you want to keep rehearsing all the wrongs that were done for you, it's going to be really hard for your spouse to make things right for you. But number three, the third thing we should pray for today, 
Pray that God will empower you with temperance. Pray that God will empower you with temperance. What controls you? Here's some things that typically typically control us. The sin nature. Our sin natures typically control us, right? Our human appetites, the things that we just want, the things that we desire as humans, our fleshly desires. You know what? Those things sometimes control us. You know, when we know we should get some things done, but we know we make a choice to lay in the bed, right? We make decisions based on desires of the flesh. You know what? I should know I should read my Bible, but no, I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to watch a movie or I'm going to watch television or I'm going to do something else to occupy my time instead of what we know we should be doing. We allow ourselves to be controlled by our sin nature and our fleshly desires. The things that should control us, we should have discipline and self-control with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, the word disciple sounds really close to discipline, doesn't it? And there's a reason for that, because to be a disciple of the Lord, we have to have discipline. And that requires us to have temperance. And we can have that if we in our marriage if we pray for these things. This is why we have to pray for these things, because there's we need help with this. Right. Just like that house that we're tra- you're trying to fix up and you just need somebody to help that knows more about it. I don't know how to be meek. I don't know how to be temperate. I can't do it on my own, but I can seek the Lord's help in these areas. In my marriage, I can learn how to let the spirit of God control me instead of the flesh. Areas where we need temperance in marriage, the more we need temperance in our words. In the words that we use, listen to this, Ephesians chapter 4 in verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. So our words should be filled with edification for our spouse and not tearing down, but words that should build one another up. We need temperance in our mood. You know that moodiness is ungodly? God is always the same, isn't he? Every time I come to him, he's always the same. He never changes. He's always the same. So when we're moody, we're changing, right? And that moodiness is ungodliness. And when we have moodiness in our life, it is ungodliness. That's the area that we need a lot of temperance in, in the area of moodiness. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's Titus 2, verse 11 through 12. We should also be temperate in our thoughts. Temperate in our thoughts. And that will help us to have a successful marriage. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 5. You should be temperate in your temper, right? I mean, it just goes with temperance to be to be uh, temperate in your temper. He that had no rule over his own spirit, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 28, is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So we should have control over our tempers. We should allow the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit to control our temper. And we should allow the, the Lord through the power of the Spirit to control our eyes. Our eyes should be controlled through temperance that we have through the power of His Spirit. Keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. In conclusion this morning, three additional things we should be praying about in your marriage because I didn't want to say more and more, but I guess that's what it is because we just keep going on and on with this. But this is a finale. This is it. This is the final three things that we should be praying for in our marriage in a series of lessons. Number one, pray that you will stay faithful to one another. Pray 
you'll stay faithful. This is what we need in our day. People aren't faithful to God. People aren't faithful to each other in a marriage. And because of that, many marriages today are destroyed because of lack of faithfulness. Number two, pray that God will teach you meekness. And that's something that we need today is to be meek in our marriages. And pray that God will empower you with temperance, that God will give you the self-control through the power of his spirit to be the mate that he wants you to be in your marriage. And God has something amazing planned for your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house, to open the word of God and to learn from the pages of scripture how to be godly Christians and how to have a godly marriage. And I pray that you would help us to apply the principles of your word in our lives every day and allow you through your spirit to change us. And may you take our prayers that we pray for these things to happen in our marriage and make them so. May we be temperate in our lives. May we have self-control. May we learn how to follow you in meekness. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be faithful to one another. We ask these things in your name. Amen.